Right, good morning everybody. It would appear that um, either last night's party was too good or alternatively um, people are struggling to get out of bed for other reasons. But uh, we seem to have a few less people here but we're going to get the proceedings running. Um, and so welcome to day two of our convention. And um, we hope that those of you who did enjoy the function last night enjoyed it. And uh, I think it, I certainly think it was a, a very pleasant evening, um, able to, to circulate and mix with folks. So thank you to the organizing committee for that. Just once again, some housekeeping notes. If you had turned it on again yesterday, off silent, put it back onto silent now. Um, I haven't heard any ringing in the sessions I've been into, so you aren't subject to the 100 Rand fine yet. Um, in terms of the app, please continue to use it. And in particular, please use it for, um, for, for voting or for at least um, assessing the sessions that you've been in, uh, because I think that that's a powerful tool to assist us as we, as we structure the program going forward. The other thing that I particularly would like to raise is that your uh, delegate bags and stationery, if that uh, is the case as well, um, if you're not going to use it, please donate it. Um, because there are other people who can use it. Uh, this could well become the only bag that a student has to take their school books to school in, um, in a poorer community. So if you're not going to use your bag, uh, please donate them. And if you're anything like me and you've got a, a, uh, a, a um, cupboard full of uh, conference bags that you've collected, the society would be very pleased to receive even those ones from older conventions to also take into a program of, of donating to uh, students. So without further ado, I'm going to pass over to Roseanne to uh, handle some further aspects of this uh, thing before her presidential address. Good morning, everyone. Well, my first task for this morning is, um, is to announce the results of the council um, election process. So um, we were really quite overwhelmed by the support and the, um, the level of participation in the whole um, election process. First of all, in terms of the numbers of people who were willing to make themselves available to stand for um, council positions, and, um, and, and of course that suggests a willingness to, to give time and energy to the profession, so I'm really appreciative of that. And in fact, we had more than double the, um, the number of uh, candidates as we had positions, so as, as Vim actually pointed out, there was a greater probability of not being elected than being elected. Um, and so I'm, I'm very pleased, though, to announce the, the council for 2017. Highlighted in green on the slide here, the new council members being Chart Esther Hazer, uh, Kanosi Magosha, Andy Rayner, and then Matlatsi Matanyani, who's been co-opted onto council to ensure that we have the, the banking group well represented. We also have the uh, recently qualified member, Janine Wilson, was elected that position. And then the student representative is Stephanie De Silva. Yes, my own Steph was elected to the student representative position. So I'd like to ask all the council members for, for 2017, um, including the, um, the ongoing council members, to please stand and, um, and to express our appreciation for, um, for the work that they are going to be doing over the next year. Thank you so much.
So my next task then is to, um, is to look at the prizes. So um, I'm first going to look at the, uh, the research um, prize winners. And the research committee has been um, perusing a, a large volume of research to, to come up with these uh, prizes. And again, uh, much appreciation to all the authors who have, um, who have submitted for this convention and also submitted um, papers during the course of the year. So early this, earlier this year, the committee announced the winners um, for the following two prizes. First of all, the Discovery Prize for the Best Honours Project at a South African University. And um, for the 2015 prize that was awarded to Simon Rigby from UCT for his paper, Modeling the Effect of Intimate Partner Violence and um, IPB Prevention on HIV Incidents. It's really just to acknowledge... And the RGA Prize for the best public research in, published research in, in 2015 was awarded to Professor de Jong and his co-authors for their paper entitled Combining Scenario and Historical Data in the Loss Distribution Approach, a new procedure that incorporates measures of agreement between scenarios and historical data. So congratulations to those prize winners. We then have three that are awarded at the convention. So... Um, Chart, will you join me on, uh, on stage as one of the sponsors? So, um, so for, for, um, for these prizes, I'm going to read some um, citations and then invite the, uh, the winning authors to come and, um, and collect their, their prizes. Um, the Swiss Re Prize is usually the first one, the Swiss Re Prize for, for risk um, or reinsurance. And um, I'd like to thank Swiss Re for always um, supporting us with this, uh, with this prize. Unfortunately, it's not being awarded at, um, at, at this uh, convention, but, um, but hopefully there will be a lot of motivation to produce research in this area. But in terms of the RGA Prize um, for the best paper and the best paper by first-time first authors, um, these two prizes are both being awarded to John Anderson and Stephen Empedocles for their paper entitled Retirement Income Frontier and its Application in Constructing Investment Strategies at Retirement. So while they're coming up, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about the paper. The aim of this paper was to address the annuity puzzle whereby a vast majority of retiring individuals in South Africa chose living annuities over life annuities despite economic models showing the opposite should hold true. And the paper set out a framework um, and developed a model specific to South Africa um, that individuals, advisors and retirement fund trustees can apply when designing optimal retirement strategies. Okay, so now my next task is to present the Green um, Exhibitor Award Prize. Um, oh, it's up there already. So this, um, this prize was um, introduced to give more emphasis to the Convention's sustainability policy and, um, and certainly to bring additional attention to, um, to the exhibitors. So we had a panel of, um, of four judges. We had uh, Justin Hawes of Event Greening for the Forum, Rian Kutsir of the Actuarial Society, um, Kim van Rienen of the Cape Town International Convention Center, and Renee Lucan of the Convention Secretariat. And they scored the um, exhibition stands and booths based on six categories. The categories included design, materials, operations, transport, beyond green, and innovation. 
So they took account of, of the environmental impact and, um, and, the, and the approach to sustainability in terms of the, um, the stands and, and not just the stand itself, but all those aspects around the stands. Um, and we have this amazing floating tro trophy, um, which requires a lot of um, strength uh, to, to take. Um, but what we're going to do is post the citations um, from the, of the various assessments of the different exhibitors on the, on the app so that you can read those all um, in detail. Um, but the award, the real competition for the award came down to, to two stands um, between Alexander Forbes and SA3. And, um, and the final um, Green Exhibit Award um, chose us to recognize the SA3 stand for, um, for their Green Exhibitor status. So congratulations. And then while we're on the awards, I also want to, um, to recognize some um, top achievers from an examination perspective. So um, at this time, what we normally do is, is recognize the top achievers in the various um, fellowship subjects. And um, the Board of Examiners identifies students who have had an exceptional performance, so it's not necessarily awarded across all the, um, all the subjects. So in this case, the Board of Examiners have chosen to recognize um, students writing three of our fellowship subjects, being uh, the life, uh, the retirement benefits, and the um, investment subject. So F202, um, the, the Board of Examiners have recognized Tanya van der Merwe. For F204, they've recognized Hendrika Gordon. And for F205, Thomas Rooney. I believe Thomas Rooney is actually here. So if he could please come forward. If any of the others are here, please also do um, come forward. But congratulations to those candidates. <laughs> Thomas might still be in bed. <laughs> okay, so now moving on to the next order is, um, is a vote of thanks. So this morning what I'd like to do is to um, pay tribute to Valencia. Is Valencia here? I can hear a yes, but I cannot see her while I'm saying this. So Valencia retired from the Actual Society after 17 years in August of this year, and all the members of the Society will remember her as one of the Cape Town exam invigilators for 16 years preceding that. So her involvement with the actuarial profession has been extensive and uh, for a very long period of time as well. Um, her responsibility um, for member services and administration during that tenure, Valencia came into contact with many members of the society as they joined as students, and she has always taken a personal interest in all of them, feeling their pain of failure and celebrating their successes. 
while also retaining this encyclopedic memory of who had worked where and when and whatever personal circumstances and personal information she had acquired along the way. And this was never information that was used maliciously, but more in the context of making people feel welcome in the profession. In the office, she saw her role as, as matriarch and mentor to the younger staff and in, e in equal measure, and uh, she will be really missed, I think, by the, the staff in the office who have worked with her. So in her, in her retirement, Valencia has now returned to invigilating, so um, a new batch, a new generation of students are going to um, experience her care during that stressful time. But we'd like to wish Valencia all the best for a long, happy and healthy retirement, and I am going to make you come forward and, um, and receive a bouquet of flowers. Like a long walk to freedom. <laughs> okay, then my my um, next um, uh, award is my prerogative. It is the the president's award. I don't get a lot of discretion in this. Um, in this role, but this is the one area where I do have some discretion. And, um, and so I have applied my mind for all of two seconds to this one um, and decided to follow my predecessors and add a bar to Vim's President's Award. So I really, it takes, I take great pleasure in announcing that um, I'm making the President's Award to, to Vim. And the reason that this year it's so apt for that award to be made to him is that it was in June of 1996 that Desmond Smith um, uh, appointed Vim as the, as the first actually official um, staff member. So over this 20 years of service to the profession, Vim has seen the number of fellow members more than triple. And he has brought his knowledge of the law and extensive network into play in helping council and other executives he has served under to steer the society um, to a position of standing and substance in post-apartheid South Africa, but also in the broader international community. Vim has been confidant and a time sparring partner and conscience to 14 presidents. He has played a major, usually behind the scenes role in organizing things like the 2010 um, ICA event that was hosted here in Cape Town and more recently the IAA meetings and the Africa Congress that we um, uh, hosted more recently. Um, at new qualifier dinners and other events, there are few sights more reassuring to me and my predecessors than um, Vim patrolling the back of the venue and making sure that everything is in order. However, it is in the field of transformation that Vim's true passion is most evident. He's a qualified teacher himself, and he has been a driving force behind all our efforts to enhance the quality of maths education in schools. He drove the Actuaries on the Move program that we launched with Metropolitan and later MMI, and he has retained unflinching support for our involvement with Pretoria Boys High School and the Catholic League for the Bona Lacedi scheme, which has won awards for its um, community impact, and also sp sponsorship of the prestigious Interprovincial Maths Olympiad. More recently, his work in establishing the Actuarial Society Education Trust and our partnership 
with paper video has the potential to revolutionize school education for disadvantaged students. And all this from a man who says he can't do maths. But this is, of course, all pales into insignificance when compared to his work on our recently established ASA Academy. Vim has really flourished in our fail fast, fail often, although we haven't failed often, um, in terms of the ideas, not the scheme, and the philosophy that has freed him to really test the ideas and drive the initiatives and engage with members across the society. In his drive to help disadvantaged students improve their exam performance and accelerate their path to, to fellowship, Vim, I think, is enjoying making a difference. So it's truly put a spring in his step, which will hopefully improve in the new year. And um, I think it has also added a few additional gray hairs to his head. But he remains, of course, a wise counselor and sounding board to council and to the disciplinary committee and all the boards of the Actual Society and, of course, the Actual Governance Board as well. And I really look forward to him continuing to serve the society for many years to come. So Vim, I'm going to call you forward to receive this award, but wait, there is more. So at the same time, I am notifying the society that after consulting with council, I will be nominating Vim for honorary membership. He is going to become one of us. He is going to become an honorary fellow of society with your support. So at the... At the next um, annual general meeting, there will be a proposal for honorary fellowship for Vim Else, and I expect, hopefully, full and uh, unanimous support for that. So Vim, it is uh, truly an honor for me to, to recognize you as really a selfless servant of society. I'm going to make you come here. <laughs> Okay, so now it is time for my presidential address. So first of all, good morning again. And, um, and here I am in the, in the middle of my um, presidential term. So usually this address is a, a report back on the ambitious plans that I sketched out this time last year. Kind of like the um, captain's log on the Starship Enterprise. So I'll be pleased if you find that I'm boldly going where no man has gone before, or perhaps that should be woman. So I'm going to do just that, and I'm going to give you an update on some of the key initiatives and activities. But this is also a very powerful platform, and I intend to make use of it while I can, so there will be a preachy bit. If you recall, my themes for uh, 2016 were um, proportionality, relevance, and integrity. It is vital that the actuarial profession remains relevant to the South African environment in which we work and that we are making a positive contribution to economic and social development. This is an important reference point for the work we are doing. Our transformation strategy is top of mind when it comes to, um, to a discussion on relevance. A key focus for this year, as I mentioned in my citation for them, is the ASA Academy. This has been a commitment to promote, to promote the qualification of our black student members while at the same time enhancing support, the support that is available to all the students who are tackling the South African syllabus. We've d dived into this one, and I really do want to credit Mike McDougall and Vim Els for being the feet on the ground that have made this happen. 
The interventions that we have um, explored this year have included the induction program, the distance learning program for the A200 subjects, which was offered by the University of the Free State, and the communication sessions, which have not only provided support for the A302 course, but broader work readiness skills as well. And we even have YouTube videos by MJ, the student actuary. We're learning as we go, and um, that the positive feedback that we have been receiving has been very rewarding. But comments and suggestions, always very welcome. In order to take this project forward, though, I'm really pleased to announce that Lusani Malozzi will be taking on the role as principal of the ASA Academy as he retires from council this year. You can see Lusani in action there. And I'd really like to thank Lusani for his exceptional role, position as a role model. His enthusiasm for this project has really been infectious. We've also updated the MOU, which we have with the um, Association of South African Black Actuarial Professionals, ASABA, and Takalani Mashachi and I signed this um, updated MOU last month. This will enhance the interactions um, between the organizations with each of us having a seat on the other's uh, council. But an aspect of this, of this update which I am most excited about is that positions on various practice area committees are being taken up by ASABA representatives. I hope that encouraging active participation in the committees will provide both learning opportunities, but more importantly promote diversification and broader thinking by those already in the committees. This is a big part of addressing the hearts and minds bit of transformation, which is so much harder than the numbers part, but also so important. And I encourage the ATOs to consider this kind of approach in order to promote both learning and also a diversity of thinking. Our Younger Members Convention has, um, has been a joint initiative with um, ASABA, and this year we had the second such event with the support of Investec. The YMC aims to broaden access to our professional events, especially as the convention is getting so large, um, but not necessarily acceptable, uh, accessible to all members. This year's event had a bit more technical content at the, um, at the Young Members Convention than the inaugural event last year. Um, and we've had very positive feedback. But again, ideas for future events are most welcome. And I hope that the YMC does um, continue to grow. What a critical time it is for higher education in South Africa. I firmly believe that education is the key to economic upliftment and revitalization for our beautiful country. It is so incredibly tragic that the failure to prioritize spending on education, particularly basic education, has given rise to a generation that are extremely frustrated at being excluded from opportunities. While our initiatives to promote maths and science at school level may only be a drop in the ocean, we really need to adopt the philosophy that every bit helps, especially interventions that target the development of teaching skills. The uprising on our campuses has been a major worry. Obviously, for me personally, as a teacher at Wits University, it has been really disconcerting to see the violence and destruction and to come face to face with the anger and frustration which even took on an ugly racial tinge. I really want to commend my academic colleagues across all the universities for being so steadfast in your commitment to teaching. But it is too easy to dismiss this as thuggery and criminality, 
While those actions can't be condoned, the underlying dynamic can't be ignored. Everyone deserves the opportunity to learn and grow and become a productive, fulfilled participant in a thriving economy. There is no doubt in my mind that education is the key to making that happen. But this might not be in the self-serving way that many of the protesting fallists envisage. As Martin Luther King, Luther King Jr. said on the 23rd of August, 1963, let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. Our profession can contribute to building a sustainable structure for education funding, and I'm really pleased that we are already part of this. You're going to hear later this, later this afternoon from Cesar and Kazana about the ISFAP plan to integrate grant and loan funding with capital sources, including social bonds. The sustainability of these kind of structures is based on the principle of giving back from each according to his means and to each according to his needs. As many of you may be aware, we have two trusts focusing on education. The Actual Society Education Trust at the school level and particularly um, initiatives that promote maths and science education, not just to nurture future actuaries, but other scarce skills and fields like engineering and medicine. We have some important partners in these initiatives like Paper Video and Saika, and then we have the Actuarial Society Development Trust, whose primary focus is at the university level, providing support to the accredited programs across six universities. Both of these entities are donor-funded, and ASA makes an annual contribution to the Actuarial Society Development Trust from our own subscription revenue. As part of our transformation program, we want to provide additional support at university level in addition to the support post-university that the ASA Academy is providing and the support that the SAADP program is providing to the students that they are funding. To this end, you are going to have the opportunity to donate to both the Actuarial Society Education Trust and the Actuarial Society Development Trust when you pay your 2017 subscription. And also, if you visit the ASA stand in the ex exhibition hall, both of these trusts offer Section 18 certificates, so please be generous. We also have a bit of a revolution happening in our own actuarial education system. As a full member association of the International Actuarial Association, we need to be compliant with the IAA syllabus, well, maybe by 2019, but at least in the not too distant future. And this applies to the associate level. Fortunately, we are in good shape for this, particularly as South Africa has been well represented in the IAA syllabus development process through the tireless efforts of Andrew Gladwin. A more challenging issue right now is the revisions that the Institute and faculty of actuaries are making to the technical subjects. As you probably know, these are largely covered by the accredited university programs. And this revolution has been a timely trigger for us to contemplate the next steps for the South African education framework. Andrew Gladwin and Nalin Naidu are heading up a curriculum task force investigating our options. And it has been really thrilling for me to see our actuarial academics pulling together to think this through. Since 2010, we have been developing our own education framework and a kind of top-down approach. We started with the fellowship subjects and incremental customization of the material to South African circumstances. 
So we now have a range of fellowship subjects, including banking, with supporting material and tuition support at the F100 and F200 levels. This year saw the completion of the retirement and related benefits subject, and we have also localized the A301 exam this year. All of this means that our material, our education material, is relevant to South Africa, decolonized, if you will, and also that the offshore money flows are reduced. I think a large number of us experienced syllabus changes and frustrating transition arrangements during our own qualification process, so it is a case of the more things change, the more they stay the same. But I don't want to be too flippant when it comes to addressing the challenge of decolonization. This is an integral part of the hearts and minds part of transformation. But what is it? It seems that various protagonists are using this term fairly liberally to, uh, to refer to some kind of cultural sea change in education. I acknowledge that I have benefited from my privileged position. I have had opportunities not accessible to many others. I really want to contribute to making a difference and opening doors for others. My privilege means that I can't necessarily understand the depth of the pain that denied opportunities causes. But I hope that it does mean that I can do something to help make a change and, and that, that will mean that past unfairness is not perpetuated. I really believe that we need to stop judging each other based on where we have come from and pull together and push forward. I have been making a real effort to try and understand what decolonization means and what it is that we can do about it. I found that Dr. Kanosi Mosalakai put it quite eloquently in his recent letter to the Star newspaper when he said, decolonized education will imbue Africans with a sense of self-worth, confidence, knowledge of, and confidence in historical and potential African excellence, and exorcise inferiority and a sense of victimhood. I understand this to mean not just teaching established thinking, but rather encouraging a contribution to it as skills are developed. It's about promoting dignity and respect and dealing with the how of education, not just the what. I hope that this will trigger some thinking about actuarial, actuarial education and also stimulate some research into topics such as integrating risk management with traditional structures. So this brings me back to my theme of relevance. If we are teaching skills that are valuable in delivering economic prosperity and social security in South Africa, then we will be providing South Africa with relevant actuarial skills. So that is what our curriculum task force have on their agenda as their central theme. Also bear that in mind when contemplating your CPD. The CPD framework is also being revolutionized at the moment. Miki Lada has been instrumental in these developments with Toby Hope and Nico van der Kolf of the Professional Matters Board. Remember that CPD is about your professional obligation to maintain and develop your competence for the work that you do and the roles that you fulfill. To this end, it should be a useful tool to help you identify where you have gaps, and it should be a case that you are merely documenting and logging what you are doing anyway in order to fulfill our true professional code or to meet our true professional code. So whether you are in a technical role, executive, statutory, or strategic role, CPD is relevant to you. 
Our task at ASA is to ensure that the value of our brand is protected. The esteem in which we are held by the public and by our colleagues and by our clients exists because of the re relevant knowledge that we are expected to have. So please embrace our new system launched yet yesterday's plenary and make your personal professional development plan work for you. On the global front, we have just hosted the IAA meetings here in Cape Town. It was certainly not too difficult to persuade our international colleagues to come to beautiful Cape Town at this time of year, and I'm pleased that so many of them have chosen to stay on and join us for this convention. We've finalized our mutual recognition agreement with the Canadian Institute of Actuaries and also with the Casualty Actuarial Society, which we will be signing today. I think Peter Withy will agree with me that our participation in the various IAA committees is both stimulating and important in informing us of developments in actual practice. And our challenge is to continue to maintain and find a balance between international and local relevance. So moving on to talk a little bit about the way we work. Isn't it sad that TCF has become a regulatory imperative? Doesn't it make sense that for a business to be sustainable, it should be treating its customers with care and respect and delivering them products of value that address their diverse needs? Obviously, the answer is no. That's why TCF is here. But why? Is it because, is it because products in the financial services space are so complex that it is not too difficult to throw in some extra margins, contingencies, and low probability coverages? Or maybe that there are vulnerable and financially unsophisticated target markets that are not in a position to critically evaluate quality. Is it because the pressure of people's consumptive desires is too good an opportunity to miss in terms of creating a profitable unsecured loan book? How do we address this if all the parties in the chain from the product provider to the agent and even some benefiting community members are in on the game? Do we wring our hands and say, this is how things are being done, sad but true, and then dive right in? No, we cannot. We need to change the mindset that each one of us can't make a difference. As the cliche goes, all it takes for evil to prosper is for good men and women to do nothing. It is intolerable to me that members of our profession are involved in retrenchment protection for pensioners, expensive credit life cover on short-term furniture loans, maybe even credit life cover to low-income borrowers full stop. Insure the lender, but don't use overpriced life cover as a mechanism to inflate charges and bypass the credit regulations which exist for the protection of the public interest. And where do I even start when it comes to selling funeral policies to child social grant recipients? I'm appalled that recipients of child support grants can be conceived as being a target market for anything other than care, help, and support. But some clever marketer is congratulating himself or herself on creating a distribution network that is literally taking the food from starving children. So there is my rant. But what is my suggestion? Neil Savage and the Market Conduct Committee are looking at the role that the profession can play in protecting the public interest when it comes to unscrupulous behavior. But we can each play a role in taking action, in calling it out when we see things that simply aren't right. It's not okay to be associated with pra these practices in any way. 
As professionals, we can't pigeonhole ourselves as product developers or reserve calculators with no interest in or influence on how the products are marketed or sold. During the course of my career, I have sometimes found myself in the position of challenging established thinking. This was very much the case in the early days of actuarial involvement in healthcare. I sometimes found myself bumping heads with those who argued that things have always been done this way. Well, that doesn't make it right. And then I find myself faced with practices of highly questionable integrity, doctors charging for services not rendered, or providing services not clinically required to make up the perceived gaps in income. Even actuaries involved in credit life cover with questionable value and when it comes to short-term unsecured debt. And we step up to this excuse. Everyone else is doing it. Well, that most certainly doesn't make it right. I'm sure at some point your mother asked you if everyone jumped over a cliff, would you go too? As I battle to get my head around highly educated and privileged people justifying their actions, which effectively rip off poor people, I thought that the excuses couldn't get worse. But then I found myself faced with the expression, if we didn't do it, someone else would. Let me let that sink in. Since when is integrity measured by being the least worst? Integrity is measured by being accountable for what you do. Accountable to you. Now, there is someone who is difficult to fool. So if you ever find yourself justifying an action with the excuse, it's always been done this way, everyone else is doing it, or if I don't do it, someone else will, please stop and reevaluate. Please ask yourself if you are really delivering value particularly when it comes to vulnerable stakeholders. And if you can't justify your actions with absolute certainty, then the course of action is clear. Just don't do it. Our mission as a profession should be to evaluate not just profitability, but value to stakeholders. And if these elements are not in balance, the project is not viable. To me, integrity is strongly associated with fear and courage. It is not about the absence of fear, because it is important to be aware of and to plan for the consequences, and that is the core skill that we have. But the courage to overcome fear when it comes to doing the right thing, or encouraging others to do the right thing. I really value the position of trust that we have, and this is something we should cherish and not commoditize. And another word I'd like to associate with integrity is humility. We know a lot, but we don't know everything. And I don't really know what it's like to be you. So it's not for me to tell the decision makers that I'm advising what to do, because I know better, but rather to give them a map and a compass and help them to make informed decisions. So please, think about the bigger picture and not just immediate gains. We certainly live in interesting times when it comes to political and regulatory developments, not just here in Africa, but north and west and east and south of us too. We have a new solvency framework to get to grips with on and off again retirement reform, healthcare regulatory reform, new governance codes, data privacy rules, credit reform. And you'll notice that many of these developments are about expanding access and narrowing the gap between the haves and the have-nots. As my amazing Aunt Ines is often quoted as saying, those who have can always argue that tomorrow is the right time for change. But for the have-nots, today is not soon enough. 
I'm sure that we have all asked ourselves at some point, how much is enough? And I've been following with interest various articles by Anne Crotty discussing the issue of executive remuneration and suggesting that various remuneration committees may be self-serving in considering remuneration levels of executives and that benchmarking is just a self-fulfilling prophecy. Again, we come back to the argument, just because everyone else is doing it doesn't make it right. I share Joe Biden's lament. For too long, this society we have, in this society, we have celebrated unrestrained individualism over common community. For too long, we have been lulled by the anthem of self-interest. Self-aggrandizement has been the full-throated cry of the society. I've got mine, so why don't you get yours? And what's in it for me? I must say that I'm disappointed that King Four has stopped short of tackling this one. Do we really buy into these self-serving arguments of executive remuneration? Once you have a comfortable home and lifestyle, good education, health care for your family, and maybe some nice annual holidays and a secure future, isn't the obligation to share rather than to hoard? As a profession, we are well equipped to answer these questions of how much is enough. As a profession, I think we can do more in terms of shareholder activism when it comes to considerations such as executive remuneration, as well as feathering our own nests. And I salute those enlightened enough to realize that there comes a time when it's actually more rewarding to give back than watch the investments accumulate. At ASA, we certainly are able to offer lots of opportunities to give back. So here is my call to action. We have a number of regulatory and legislative changes affecting members in different areas of the profession. Sam is hopefully going to go live in July next year and we will and will hopefully live up to the many hours of preparation and discussion that have gone into its structure. An important factor in this is the impact of, low interest, of the low interest rate environment and this is a concern for solvency modeling globally. There is a need for further research and recommendations here. We have engaged also with stakeholders in government and unions around the issue of retirement reform and broader social security reform. Fatima Badata and the Social Security um, Working Group are working on a, a, a terms of reference on a social security project. The intention here is to bring together work that has already been done, as well as to do further research and modeling. So please look at contributing in whole or in part to anything that you, in, in terms of anything that you have been involved in working on in this area. The Demography and Epidemiology, Epidemiology Committee has also issued a tender for work on updating the subpopulation model that is such an important part of risk assessment. And the CSI Committee is doing great work that forms the foundation for what many of us do. Divya Babu's team at the Actuaries Without Frontiers is doing incredible work in terms of financial inclusion and financial literacy with the Amali game. There are also lots of opportunities in the education space in terms of learning material, tutoring, and mentoring. And we've had a recent call for fellows to join a mentorship program, that, and this, this program will include training and a support framework. As I mentioned, even if your involvement is in the form of, tech, of financial support to the education trusts, this is also most welcome. So keep in touch. And hopefully, this will be a lot easier once we have our shiny new website that we're working on. I have had an incredible year, and I'm really looking forward to more of the same next year. There has been a lot to deal with, and sometimes I find myself wishing that I could be in many places at the same time. Thank you, Peter, for being so willing to step into the breach when called to do so.
and also for being such a helpful and wise sounding board. I'm so appreciative of the commitment of the team at, ASA, at the ASA office who often go well beyond their job descriptions to keep our ship on course. It occurred to me in yesterday's plenary that if they went to the 80-20 rule, it would actually be disappointing because they're already all on 50-50. <clears throat> I hope that it's not a reflection on me that we have lost two executives this year. I think it's a reflection of the opportunity for growth that the ASA, offer, ASA office offers. Petrus Beerman has been an incredible contributor to the education program during his time at ASA. He has been the education executive and has seen developments in terms of tuition and the normative skills framework. Thank you, Petrus, and I wish you well in your new position at Sunlam. And Janine Loebscher has been an incredible asset. She has also been incredibly brave in terms of being the accountant employed by the actuarial profession. But she has been committed, meticulous, and super organized, and has really kept us on track and steered us through some crises. Thank you, Janine, and I wish you loads of success in your career with Genry. So certainly some big shoes to fill. And Conrad Backerberg has hit the ground running and embraced the challenge of education strategy with aplomb. So thank you, Conrad, for your willingness to dive in so far. We are also in the process of, of appointing our new finance and operations executive and we'll be introducing you to her soon. Thank you to my colleagues on council. Our discussions and debates are always stimulating, often robust, and I'm also pleased to say that our meetings usually include some laughter. I'd like to especially mention Trevor Pascoe, Michael Tichereva, Lusani Malozzi, and Riyad Mayat, who have come to the end of their terms and to welcome the new council members. And also thank you to Christopher Redunza, who has served as a student rep this year. Thank you to all of you for being so engaged with the profession. As I mentioned earlier, I'm really pleased that we had a record number of people participating in the voting process. And I'm also thrilled that my own experience on council has inspired Stephanie to get involved rather than to run a mile. We also have an incredible number of committed volunteers. But despite my rants of earlier, thank you to all of you who are ambassadors to our profession. You, what you do every day, the way in which you deliver answers to complex questions and deliver value to our stakeholders, that drives the esteem in which we are held. And finally, I'd like to thank my family for putting up with me, being so distracted this year. To Laura and Stephanie, my beautiful, hardworking, patient girls, thank you. My cheerleading dad, and especially Noel, the incredibly caring and supportive man that I am marrying in 23 sleeps. <laughs> thank you to all of you for being here to listen to me this morning. I hope that I have given you some food for thought and that you are feeling somewhat challenged and encouraged. And I guess all that remains for me to say is beam me up, Scotty. Thank you. Okay, so there's still some business for today. And, um, and I'd like to call up Nancy Braithwaite from the Casualty Actuarial Society and we are going to sign our mutual recognition agreement. 
This is quite significant in terms of our, um, our recognition on the North American continent. And, um, and I'd also like to draw your attention to the ICAS brochures, which were included in your um, bags and were also being handed out um, this, this morning. So, Nancy, thank you so much for, um, for partnering with us. In fact, we're going to step over to the podium and sign this agreement. Okay, we're not done just yet. I'm now also going to call up one of our um, other international delegates, Wilhelm Schneemeyer. He's going to come and talk to us about ICA 2018. So, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Don't worry, it won't take too long this morning. And it's a pleasure for me to promote today the ICA in Berlin 2018, and I expect all of you to be there in Berlin. Just a short away, who has never been in Berlin up to now? Raise your hands. So you are now, I think, my target audience. Yeah? <laughs> and we will see, I will check that in 2018. What can you expect there? It's in June 2018, and uh, first I will promise you weather will be better than yesterday in Cape Town. Yeah? <laughs> this is not a guarantee. I'm an actuary, and I'll be, I'm careful with guarantees. We expect around 2,000 international practitioners and scientists there, and to be honest, we expect 1,000 of the German actuaries to be there. This is not so easy, but anyway, we have nearly 5,000 actuaries in Germany, so this should work, and 1,000 actuaries coming from abroad. And it will be hosted by the IAA and DAW. The motto is, you saw it on the slide, getting closer. We have there, I think, an outstanding scientific program, more than 200 lectures presented by over 250 top actuaries. We have the award of best papers in six subject areas. You are all invited to participate in that best paper award and 12 limited attendance experiences in exceptional locations. And with the normal call for papers, we will start in January 2017. If you go to such an event, you can also expect an interesting social program. Uh, with the registration fees, uh, you have paid also not only the scientific program, but also the social program. We have three evening events there. The first one in the museum, this is actually not the food which we will get <laughs> during your welcome reception. 
So we also have as a second event, this will be our garden event in the Estrell on Tuesday. It's during the week under the motto, getting closer, come together. A nice garden event there in the Estrell. This is the hotel where our uh, ICA will take place. And we also have in the evening of Thursday, uh, which what we usually call the formal dinner, it's our farewell event in one of the really favorite uh, restaurants in Berlin. So uh, I think we will have a very nice social program there, as you see. And we also have 10 interesting and exciting excursions to Berlin's most important attractions. What is also important, it's the first ICA in history which will be enriched by virtual formats. Self-study material prior to the ICA, live broadcasting and recorded sessions of the regular program. There will be online sessions with up to six hours of CPD each. And what is very important, and I come back to that a little bit later, we have a national partner program which enhances the uh, virtual ICA with country-specific content. But I come back to that a little bit later. I am 100,000. We have nearly now 100,000 actuaries in the worldwide community. There is, to be honest, some double counting in that, but these are the official figures and I trust in them. <laughs> Therefore, we have a prize draw in order to find the 100,000th actuary. And if you go to our ICA booth at uh, Hall 2, you can try to do such nice pictures as this one. You see a selfie of Wilhelm Schneemeyer. Ich bin 100,000. Now it's getting prominent more and more. This is Malcolm Campbell, the actual IAA president. And now you can see also Rosanne, together with Alf Godes, who is one of the German actuaries, and he was born in South Africa. So this is really a nice picture and stays for what, uh, is what we are planning there in Germany. Very important, uh, with the prize draw, the winner gets a free Congress ticket as number 100,000. Take your selfie today at the ICA 2018 booth in Hall 2. But what I wouldn't like you to come back then to me, show me the selfie and say, I am 100,000, give me my free Congress ticket. This would be a very expensive day then for the DAV. Don't forget, this is a marketing story, not more, <laughs> not less. Then uh, there is also a nice feature, actuaries for actuaries. Uh, we have had the idea of a charity campaign 
financing extra scholarship for actuaries from emerging countries or smaller actuarial associations. There are local events and online activities to raise funds for that, and especially today at our ICA booth, there will be a game, who's going to be an ICA millionaire? Bring it on, visit our ICA booth. And stay tuned with us. Register for the brand new ICA newsletter. Join our LinkedIn group and like our Facebook site. And follow us on Twitter. If you need any information on that, as mentioned, go to our ICA booth and look for that. So, some impressions now of Berlin. And while you see these impressions, I'm very proud to say I mentioned the National Partnership Program, where you have the possibility to combine the content of the ICA with local events on the virtual basis. And I'm very proud to say that our first national partner is the ASA, the Actuarial Society of South Africa. And what I have here is the contract. Rosen has to work very hard today to sign again a contract. And the funny thing is, I, for myself, cannot sign the contract because only the CEO of our office is allowed to do that. And because nobody wants to work for free, hopefully this is the right size, we have one T-shirt to bring a little bit more emotion into the story. I think this is yours. I think this will be mine. Seems to be the right size. Ah. So... To be clear on that, this is extra large and this is uh, a little bit more than extra large. But, but you asked for that, Roseanne, yeah? We are not so unpolite. Okay, so Roseanne. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, I think... This was the end of the slide. Thank you. See you all in Berlin and use the opportunity to visit our stand at uh, Hall 2. Thanks a lot for your patience. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you, Wilhelm, for that. And I think that there are many of us who would like to be able to be in, uh, in Berlin to join you there. Um, just uh, the... Only items that I have to do now are for the housekeeping items. As with yesterday, we now break up into five concurrent sessions. As with yesterday, there is a 10-minute transition period. It is not a tea break. It is not a chat break. It is a transition period. So uh, please move to your next session. Um, I'm sure you've decided where you're going to go. Thank you.